you, God, for allowing us to gather this morning. Thank you for those of your people who are here, for those who are coming on their way, oh God. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us in our class today, God. Teach us and instruct us. Prepare us, God, and allow us to receive from you today. You get praise this morning. You get glory and you get honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. How's everybody doing? Y'all thought out? <laughs> okay. So um, today we're going to um, continue the teaching series we've been in called Shift Change. And we're going to deal with um, shifting our understanding of community. You know, I think that um, that's something that we don't normally talk about in church or anywhere else for, for that matter. Um, we're going to basically deal with um, the relationships that we need to have amongst each other in, in the community. And I think the reason why we don't talk about it is because I think most of us have a narrow view of what community really is, you know. Just um, when, when I say the word community, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's the first thing? Well, I remember when I was raised that the community yeah. was all around us now. Yeah. There is no such thing as community because you can't tell or say anything to people. You know, right. you try to bring them into the church or try to tell the children, correct the children, and you get another kind of word. <laughs> right. You know, so, like for yeah, for, for, for me, for me, when I when I think of community, the first thing that comes to my mind is just where I live at. You know, it doesn't go anything any further than that at all. Here's a definition that, that I pulled up of community. Uh, you can take notes, you can take the notes. Community is a group of persons that conscious, consciously or unconsciously share one or more normative designations that are spatial, political, ethnical, moral, or spiritual. A community may be geographically based, it's like we're talking about geographically based of the city or neighborhood. All right, so when I look at this. Can you repeat that? Repeat that, okay. A community is a group of persons that consciously or unconsciously share one or more normative designations that are spatial, political, ethnic, moral, or spiritual. A community may be geographically based, such as a city or neighborhood. However, a community may be formed by other commonalities, such as shared ethnicity, you know, that's the definition. So it's, as you can see, based on the definition, community can be anything, a couple of different things, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, everybody here is, is a member of several different communities at the same time. You know, for example, like for me, because I'm a black man, African-American community, based on this definition, it, um, it's um, ethnic. You know, I'm living in the Dayton area. Um, I work at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, I'm part of that community. So this, um, this is really God's design. This is what God designed us to do. Ever since what happened at the Tower of Babel, when he scattered the, the people away, we formed all of our different communities. This is what God wanted for us, you know, and, and for good reason, because just what she was talking about, you know, um, when you do community right, when you do it the right way, when people get along, you know, you find love, you find a sense of belonging. You find uh, 
there's a lot of good things that when you do community right, and it's even echoed in the scripture. When we look in the scripture, uh, something that you're probably familiar with, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or more are gathered in my name, right? The Holy Spirit shows up. So when you do community right, when you gather in the name of Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit shows up in that instant. We also see in Acts chapter 2, a lot of y'all are familiar with Acts chapter 2, uh, this is the chapter when the Holy Spirit falls and the, the disciples and those who were in the upper room, they received the Holy Spirit. After that event happened, we see in Acts that, um, that Peter preached a sermon, right? And a whole bunch of people got saved. And those people who got saved formed a community, right? And if you, you can write this down, you can read right around the, um, the 46, like towards the end of the chapter, you can see what, um, what happens when you do community the right way. The people, so it says some of the people actually sold some of their possessions and their land, right? And they took care of the least of it. They took care of people in their community. This is, this is something that, that God wants, you know? I'm not saying that we should do that. We don't need to sell all our possessions or anything like that. But um, what I'm alluding to is, is the fact that God calls for unity. Amen. You know, in the Old and New Testament, there's, there's plenty of verses and passages of Scripture that call for unity. You know, this is what God wants. It's his design for us to be unified. Amen. The problem that we have, here's the problem, is that because of our brokenness as human beings, a human race, because of our imperfections, what ends up happening in our communities is that some communities begin to be more significant than others. You have certain people in communities think that they're better than the folks over in the other communities, right? And that's when the problem comes in. You know, us as African Americans, you know, we can recognize that. We see that. There's a long history of us being the other people. We've always been the less significant y'all people over there. We recognize that a lot. And for those of y'all, I'm the only male here. Um, so <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Just like that. 
But there's some things, we're going to discuss that when I get to the scripture. We're going to talk about those things, those, those obvious things. Amen. But there's some less obvious stuff that we also need to, um, to mention because because of our brokenness, because we're people, right? Everybody in this room has prejudices, has personal preferences. Everybody has biases, yes. right? And, and we tend to separate ourselves based on those, those prejudices, you know? I can give you a perfect, perfect example. Um, this is something that God's been dealing with me you know, for a while, actually, it's been a few, a few years. Um, I moved to this area, they know how about 12 years ago. And um, when I first got here, I started going to church in, you know, in Cincinnati. I'm not gonna name the church because y'all probably know what it is. I'm not gonna say anything. But um, but anyway, um, I had some really bad experiences at that church. Now me coming from the South, you know, I'm used to church people being a certain way. And I felt like I was disrespected. I felt like I wasn't really welcome. You know, and it wasn't just one person. It was like several different people that kind of just, you know, who are you, overlook me, you know. And, you know, it, you know, I didn't really say, I just took it all in stride and say anything that, you know, I really didn't say anything to anybody, but made anybody aware of it. Uh, but what, what ended up happening is um, in my own mind, I decided that these people in Ohio are not as good as where I came from. Both in Ohio are not as hospitable. Right? And, you know, and what, what happened is that, I mean, it started out like it was like subtle, and, you know, but I made that thing up in my mind. I don't know everybody in Ohio. I just got here at that time. And, um, you know, what ended up happening is it, um, it grew a little bit. That seed kind of grew. And what I was doing was, you know, instead of listening to, like, the local radio station, I would listen to the radio station back home. I had, you know, iHeartRadio on my phone, and I was streaming. I mean, I'm living here, but my mindset and everything is back where I came from, you know. And what ends up happening when you do that, when you have these personal preferences, what ends up happening is some relationships that you might need, that, that, um, that you might need to grow, you know, you won't have those relationships. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's the same, it's the same thing as if, uh, and, and we do it, we do it all the time, you know, just about every church you go to, we always go through the same motions. We come, in the sanctuary. The sanctuary could be full of people, right? And what we end up doing is we only talk to the folk that we like. You know, we talk, we do it every every Sunday. You know, we usually don't talk to people we're not familiar with, the people that um, that we don't know. We just leave those people alone. And so, um, if you don't get a handle on that, it's going to get out. It's, it's going to get out of trouble. It's going to get really bad for you. So. What's the solution to that? Because everybody has these personal preferences. Everybody has got these biases. What's the solution to that? What's the resolution to that? What's God's resolution to that? And we're going to go to the scripture. Um, if you've got your 
your Bibles, turn to James chapter 2. We're going to take a look at James chapter 2. And there's a, there's a lot of scripture that actually uh, address these issues that we have. But I like James because James has some practical stuff in it. You know, we call a lot of things from James like faith without works is dead. And, you know, be hearers of, actually be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I like the book of James. So if you would, please turn to James chapter 2. And we're going to take a look at um, verses 1 through 13. We're going to run through it real fast, as fast as I can. If we have enough time, we should have enough time. All right, so James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And um, verse 1, we're going to start reading verse 1. It says this. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism, too. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dress in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who was wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there and sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves to become judges with evil motives? All right, so I'm gonna stop right there. It's verses one through four. Um, and when you look at verse one through four, it tells us three different ways that you might be guilty of showing favoritism. Mm -hmm. Amen. And favoritism in, in this text, that word favoritism is respect the person. It's, you know, you got, you playing favorites. Amen. So there's three reasons, or, or there's three ways that you might be guilty of this. The first one is, is real obvious. It's how you treat people. Look at verse 2 again. Look at verse 2. It's how you treat people. If you get preferential treatment to those with whom you are comfortable with, right, in this text, right here in James, James, he's, he's, he's really going in on his own people. If you, uh, if you study the book of James, you find out he's writing to his own people, 12 tribes. And, and in this context, he's talking about rich versus poor. We favor the rich versus the poor. But for us, it's the principle that we're looking at. You know, you got some, you have some favorite people that, that you like, that you only deal with. And the verse says here that if you treat other people different, then that's favoritism. You might be showing favoritism. Amen. And, and, and how, can, how, can we, how can we do that if in the context of our ministry, right, the stuff that we do, like working at, um, at the, um, the prison, working in prison ministry, how can you show favorites? You know, or if, if you work down downstairs and um, you know what we did yesterday, you know, how, how can you show? If you don't like certain people, it's not going to go good. So that's one way you can you might be guilty of showing favoritism. Amen. The second reason or the second way you might show favoritism is the way you talk to people. Right, let's look at verse 3 again, the way you talk to people. It says here, if you sit here in this good place, right, to the people that you like, the, the people that you prefer, the people that you cool with, 
you sit here at this good place, and then those other folk, y'all can stand over there, you know. How do you talk to people? We have to, we have to be mindful about how we talk to people. And a lot of it is unconscious. Sometimes you don't know that you're talking to people, you know, a different way. You know, in, in my example that I gave earlier, is I'm sure those people didn't know they were talking to me because I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they did not know that, that they offended me or made me feel uncomfortable. I ain't say nothing. You know? So we have to make sure, we have to continually examine ourselves. You know, make sure that we um, are not treating people bad. So that's another reason. And the third reason, or the third way that you might be guilty of having respect of persons is the one that's probably the least obvious, I think, and it's what you think about other people. Mm -hmm. Right. It says, um, if you make distinctions and become judges with evil motives. Now, you might not talk to people, in a, you know, you might talk to people with some type of respect. You know, you may not treat people bad, but it's what, if you think that you're better than or you think in your mind somebody is less than, then you might be guilty of showing favoritism. And I'm just going to give you an example and talk about what's going on in my family. And um, because y'all don't know my family, because they don't live here. So I'm going to talk about them. <laughs> um, my, um, my mother is, she's a foster parent. She's been doing foster, she's been a foster parent for some years, since back in the 80s. And over the years, uh, she's took in a lot of children, and she's, she's adopted five girls during that time. Four of them are grown now. They've grown, got families right now. But one of them still lives with her. One of them is 15 years old. And this particular child has been in our family since she was like two months old. Like my mother took care of, you know, but there was an issue with, I think, the father was in prison or something, and the mother was on drugs. Something. It was a horrible story. But her mother got her when she was like two months old. And so um, she was kind of raised in our family, you know. And nobody really talked to her out the way or was really mean to her in any type of way until my mother decided to move to Texas. Now, I got two siblings in the Dallas area, and my older brother. He's been there a few years. Um, he's got two sons that are like a little bit older than this adopted child. And then my twin brother, y'all know I have a twin, but I got a twin brother. He's got, he's got three daughters, and I guess they're around the same. One of them is like in her late 20s now, but the rest of them are, uh, the, the other two youngest ones are teenagers, they're late teens. Uh, so the reason why my mother went to Texas is because she wanted to spend time with her grandchildren. She didn't really, because they live out west, and you know, at the time my mother was still living in North Carolina. She went out there and um, she took her adopted child with her. And you know, everything was going fine. Everything was good until an incident happened, right? And um, you know, my brothers, they kind of showed how they really felt and how they really thought about the adopted child, right? They, they was, Telling my mother that you need to send her back, and that she ain't none, of, she ain't none of my sister, and she not family, and um, you know, 
I say that to say this because the, the enemy works in that type of environment. Yes. Definitely. The enemy works in that type of environment. And just think, if you were that adopted child, how would you feel? How would that how would that make you feel? You know that here's here's a family, you know, and she does know her um, her natural mother because my mother allowed allowed that to happen. My mother has full custody. This child has my mother's name and everything. So I mean, she's she's family. But um, yeah, the enemy works in that type of environment, and you know, and I bring that up because a lot of us have blended families. Mm. A lot of us, and I know that. You know, you know, I have I got a master's degree in blended families. You know, <laughs> and I say that that um because if if you show favoritism to your to your stepchildren, you know, that's a problem. That's that's an area where the enemy can work and, and move. We we have to watch how we treat them. How many of y'all are, are in blended families? Just a lot, lot of us, a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's normal. <laughs> so that's kind of that's normal thing. Yeah. That's normal thing. So we have to watch that, that type of thing. Let's keep reading the scripture. Um, because verse 5 and 13, it gives us four reasons why we shouldn't show favorites, why we shouldn't have favorites, why you shouldn't um, favor your natural born child over your stepchild. You know, so let's keep reading that. Um, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Alright, let's stop right here. Let's look at verse 5 right here. Alright. What James is saying in this text is that if you show favoritism, if you play favorites, it's not consistent with his character. That's not who that's not who God is. It says right here in the text, right there, God chose the poor of this world. Now again, James in context is talking about rich versus poor. But for us, we need to also look at the principle. It's the favor versus or the favorable versus the unfavorable people. Right? We need to look at that. Um, let's keep reading verse six. But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppressed you and personally dragged you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? Okay, so there's a lot of stuff going on in, the, in this text. Um, but the main point that I want to bring out is, is that God, God chose the poor of this world to be rich. God doesn't play favorites. God has no respect of person. I believe that he has a special place in his heart. God has a special place in his heart for people like this, for poor people. The people who don't made a mess out of their lives, don't fall. You know, he has a special place in his heart for those type of people, for the God people, the people you keep overlooking. You know, all of us keep overlooking. We don't want to deal with it. Right, so that's one reason why that we shouldn't show favoritism at all, in any way. Uh, the second reason I would say is, um, let's look at verse eight, James chapter two, verse eight is, um, if however you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scriptures, 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. All right, so when we look at this scripture, this text right here, it's not consistent with how we want to be treated. And I love your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. So the question is, who's your neighbor? You know, it's, it's not consistent with who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is that, that orphan child, the adopted child. Your neighbor is a stepdaughter, stepson, is the homeless man living on the street. It's the people we don't want to deal with. And since we in this election season, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it like this. Your neighbor is the Trump supporter. Your neighbor is the Bernie Sanders supporter. Your neighbor is, is the entire community. It's everybody that's here. That's your neighbor. That's who we should love. If you say that you are a believer in Christ, as the text brings out, if you say that you believe, let me go back to the first verse. If, if, you, if your faith is in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, then this should be your attitude. Your attitude should be love your neighbor. You know, you shouldn't be showing favoritism to anybody at all. Amen? So that's number two. That's the second reason. There's four of them, I believe. Uh, so the third one is found in the next verse. Verse 9. But if you, if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So what is that telling us? If you show partiality, you are committing sin and you and are con convicted by the law as transgressors. It's, it's sin. If you have, if you treat people, if you treat one group of people different than the other, that's faith, that's partiality. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit murder, but you do, uh, uh, say it again, if, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So the text is putting favoritism, the fact that we don't love our neighbors, putting that on the same level as adultery and fornication. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Because it's, no it's not part of God's character. Right? Everything that is part of his character, everything that, that, that God is, we should try to emulate that. We should be imitators of, of God. Amen. So, and the last one, is, the last reason why we should never show favoritism in any way is that it affects how God judges you. Look at, uh, look at verse... Um, 13. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's, that's pretty straightforward, right? If you don't have any mercy for people, God's not going to show you mercy. It's pretty straightforward. Amen. So I think, I believe that, that this is a choice. It's a choice. It's a personal choice. Whether you, whether you don't love your neighbor or not, it's absolutely a personal choice. And I like how Paul says it in, in Galatians chapter 2, because it's kind of similar to what we're talking about. 
Go ahead and turn to uh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Let's go there. Let's look at that. Galatians 3, verse 27 and 28. Because um, Paul is basically talking about the same thing in this text. Let's look at that real quick. Galatians 3, 27 and 28. And this might read that.
The second challenge, another challenge, don't take the Holy Spirit, don't take some prayer with this one. Here's the second challenge. Because this is the year 2020, this is election season, and we're going to start getting a whole bunch of, um, of advertisements about hating other people. We're going to get that. We're going to get bombarded with that. Find somebody on your job or one neighbor that you don't, you don't agree with them politically at all. Find somebody. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, this is the, the total opposite. You know? Find somebody you don't agree with and just begin to talk to them. You're going to need some prayer. It's going to take some prayer. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to talk about, don't talk about politics. Just, 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 just work on, you know. The human nature the human, part. Yeah. One human being to another yeah. human being. Yeah. Just get to know that person on, you know. Remember, yeah. we're all God's creation. <laughs> Don't forget that part. <laughs> so I, I say that because, you know, it's going to take the Holy Spirit. Yes. You know, I've actually, I've actually been doing that for quite some time. And you know what? I mean, um, y'all familiar with Maya Angelou? I mean, she wrote a poem about, um, how does it go, that, that we have... More things alive. And what, is, what is it? You know what I'm talking about? We have more things alive or more things in common than we have differences. You know? I can't remember what the I believe is. that. I mean, that's, that, is, that is the truth. That is absolutely true. You know? And I, I think that, um, that that's the way to go, is that we do those two challenges, you're going to see some differences in yourself. You're gonna, it's going to tell a lot about who you are. And who you and how much you really need to pray. <laughs> you know, it's gonna tell a lot about you. Amen. I think, you know, the, the deepest, the strongest kind of love that exists in this earth is a love that, that doesn't care about what somebody's age is or how old they are, what their political preference is. It's, it's that type of love that, that Christ actually exemplified for us. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's just like what we've been saying for the past couple of weeks. You used to be one of those people. Yes. You know, if you look at it from a different perspective, if you look at it from God's perspective, you know, everybody here in this room used to be the other people. You was once the people who didn't believe them mm -hmm. at one time, you know. And with that being said, you know what? I'm glad today that God is not like man. Yes. He is not, that he is not a man yes. that he should lie to. Some yes. man he should confess. I'm glad. I don't know where I would be. You know, God's grace is not like ours. His forgiveness is not like ours. His mercy is definitely not like ours. So I'm glad today that, that, that I'm standing here and I'm forgiven. Amen. Amen. So, with that being said, does anybody have anything to add to the conversation? That point was called Human Family and New Deal. That, that it's point? called Human Family. I need to write that down. Because, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I only read it like a couple of times. My answer. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything to add? Let's go ahead and pray this and this. Um,
take that long. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for just being with us today, oh God. We thank you for this word this morning, God. We thank you that your word is the truth, oh God. We just ask this one that you would help us to love you enough so that we can love other people, oh God. Help us today, oh God. Help us to see other people the same way that you see them, God. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. We give you praise. We honor you today. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Am